0: You guys rocked it this morning. Good morning. Welcome to the Sunday where millions and millions of people will be glued to their televisions to watch commercials, (laughs) to persuade them to buy stuff that they don't need. But we're here for something else. We are here to talk about Jesus. If you have ever spent any time talking to me, at any length, you will know that I have been on a lifetime quest to understand Jesus' teaching. Um, in the place that I grew up, um, to be transparent with you, Jesus didn't make sense because we would talk about Jesus one way, and then we would go to the gospel or we go to the epistles and Paul's teaching, and it would look different somehow. And they're not. So it's important for us to get Jesus right. And we started two weeks ago by talking about the yoke. Jesus invites us to be in yoke with him, to take his yoke upon us, and he will give us real difficult tasks. No, he will give us what? Rest. Did you notice last week when Brian was talking from Acts 15 that Peter talked about a yoke. Did you notice that? That Peter said, why are we going to put on people, Gentiles, a yoke we couldn't bear? So obviously Peter thought the yoke of being with Jesus was better, right? He understood it. So that's what the quest that we're on to do is understand that yoke what does it mean to be in yoke with jesus what does it look like to be his disciple that's another way of saying it and we're going to see as you can tell if you know what that reference is we're going to look at the beginning of the sermon on the mount this morning but before we go there i want to give you a little self-test you don't have to raise your hand you don't have to write anything down you don't have to just ask yourself these two questions first do you believe that earth has no sorrows, that heaven can't heal? That's a line from a song I know that Crowder sings, but it has its roots in the scriptures. A few weeks ago, again, I referenced Isaiah 35, 10, and the last phrase there says that sorrows and sadness will flee. Do you believe that earth has no sorrows, that heaven can't heal? And if you do, how do you get that healing? That's the question I want you to put in the back of your mind as we look at Jesus' teaching. But right now, I'm going to ask you to stop and pray. Because we need God's help. We need the Holy Spirit's help. I'm going to talk to you. Some of you have heard this before. Some of you haven't. But this is really, really critical. So would you just ask the Lord to teach you? Would you ask the Lord to help me to make it clear? And then I'll pray for us, okay? Because we're, we're looking at Jesus teaching. This is Jesus, not, not me, you know, not the church. This is Jesus we're listening to. And we want to get it right. So would you just pray? And then I'll with us father in heaven you sent your son jesus and he taught us may we understand his words this morning But more importantly, may we not just understand them, but may we take them to heart and live them out. Help me and help us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So, the Sermon on the Mount starts this way. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Notice the first word is blessed. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. His first word isn't cursed. His first word is blessed. So we're going to have to talk about what that blessing is and what does that mean. But I also want you to see something else. There's a context. When Jesus saw the crowds. Context matters. If you take someone's words out of context you can make it look like they're saying something they aren't. So, if someone were to take, like, let's say something, I said this phrase sometime. Let's say I said, I don't believe that. Well, if you recorded that, and then you stuck some random thought in front of it, you can make it sound like I was responding to somebody saying, I don't believe something that I actually do. You could make it look like I just totally different. And so, when we look at Jesus' words, we have to understand the context because if we don't understand the context, we are not going to understand what Jesus is saying. This is really critical, especially with the Sermon on the Mount. So let's look at the context, let's back up. So this is Matthew 4, 24 and 25, and as you know, the chapter divisions aren't in the original text, so we can just read from chapter four to chapter five and they go together, there's no you know, big break. And this is what it says, the news about him spread through all Syria, and they brought to him all who were ill, those suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee and Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Who lives in Syria? Syrians, yes, thank you. We get this kind of monolithic picture of just one kind of person. This is a vast crowd of different kinds of people. Jesus was healing people, all kinds of people. If you knew that there was a guy someplace healing all kinds of people, wouldn't you go? So there's this loud crowd and they're from all over, Galilee, Decapolis, Jerusalem, it's a widespread area. Okay. Now, some will say that the version in Luke is just Luke quoting Jesus differently. It's the same event. I don't think so, and here's why. Look at this context, and this is even wilder. So Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place. So this is not a mountain. And there was a large crowd of his disciples and a great throng of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon who had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were being cured. And all the people were trying to touch him because power was coming out from him and healing them all. Just imagine that. Imagine this wave of people with desperation on their hearts wanting to be Cleansed and healed, and they just come near Jesus, and this power emanates from him, and they're healed. Now, think about the context. This is happening in the areas that were predominantly Jewish, and what would Jewish sensibilities be? Like, how is this happening? So, Think about how both sermons took place where there was this significant crowd of people. They're coming to him just because they have need, and they've come from far away, and some of them are probably not Jewish, and the Jewish disciples are watching this healing happening. What's going on in their heads? All of their categories are going, What is happening? what is happening so now let's take a look at what jesus says this is his explanation he says blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted blessed are the gentle for they shall inherit the earth now how do we normally teach these we take them out of context we put them on little pictures on the wall and we think of them as prescriptions to get God's blessing. So if you want to get God's blessing, you've got to be poor in spirit, which means you kind of have to know your needs. If you want God's blessing, well, you need to mourn. We try to make them pretty. Can you think of someone who is so down so discouraged, so poor in spirit that they can barely get up in the morning? Is that pretty? Have you been around someone who's mourning the loss of a loved one? Is that—is that a quality that somehow engenders deserving God's grace? See, we try to make them ways we can get something, but that's not what Jesus is doing. He's explaining to his disciples what's happening. These people have come who are downtrodden and burdened and crazy for wanting for help, and it's coming to them. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Do gentle people get their way in our world? I mean, you want your dentist to be gentle, right? But just let's be transparent. How does the gentle kid get treated in middle school? It's not pretty, is it? Look at the next one. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. And we turn that into blessed are the people who really wanna be righteous. And that's a good thing to want to be righteous, but righteousness can also mean justice. And think of the person who has been cheated or who has had a crime done, and they're desperate for justice to take place, and they're in a bad way. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Well, it's good to be a merciful person, right? But have you ever heard the phrase, it's just business? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And again, we make that, well, it's good to be pure in heart, but are any of us pure in heart? Is this a way to get something from God, or is this a description of someone who's never satisfied with anything? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Again, we think it's good to be a peacemaker, but has a policeman ever gone into a situation where there's a conflict and has he been received well, breaking up the fight? Both sides are after him. And who at a football game gets universally booed? The refs, who are there to keep the peace. Blessed are those who've been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Again, we try to make these pretty, and I don't think they are. I think what Jesus is saying is he's talking about all kinds of people. Their situation does not deprive them of being able to enter through faith the kingdom. We don't tell people, if you want to be forgiven when we share the gospel, well, the first thing you're going to have to do is be poor in spirit, and then you're going to have to mourn, and then you're going to have to be gentle, or there's no forgiveness for you. We don't talk about the gospel that way. So why, when we come to this, do we switch it and make it earning? We like to earn things, because when we pay for things, we can give a bad review on Amazon and berate the person for how awful their product is, because we paid for it, and we're disappointed. But if it's given to you, well... You don't lift a gift horse in the mouth, so. So, let's go to Luke, and maybe you'll see what I'm trying to say a little better. And remember, this is a second time that Jesus gave this message. Jesus probably gave this message multiple times because he traveled around. And, and so, I don't think he just said this, this sermon, this message once, And any good teacher, when you're in different places, will talk about it in different kinds of ways. You know, I teach perspectives. I probably taught the perspective classes, I don't know, 50, 100 times. And I've never said anything the same way, taught the same lesson. But here, Jesus says this, Blessed are you who are poor. It does not say poor in spirit. And you know he's talking about wealth because a few verses later the contrast is, Woe to you who are rich for you will receive comfort. And we don't do this. We don't say, only way you're going to get in the kingdom is to give away all your money. Right? No one says that. And we don't say rich people, you're out of luck. And you say, well, maybe some of them are. But friends, do you realize everybody in this room is rich? I saw a statistic that came from 2012. So it's, 10 years old, if you make $25,000 a year, you're in the top 10% of the world in income. And if you raise it to 34, if you make $34,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of world income. We are wealthy. So by this verse, we're out. If you make it about earning, It's not about earning. What Jesus is doing is he's going against the prevailing assumptions of his day. Remember, context matters. How do we view poor and rich? We don't think of them the same way that Jesus' disciples did. So, remember the time when there was a rich man that came to Jesus, and he wants To follow jesus and jesus says give away your possessions and come follow me because he knew that was his heart issue and he goes away and then jesus makes this comment he says it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of god and the disciples go well then who can be saved now why would they say that if they had the assumption that rich are evil people they would go oh yeah right that's tough but they didn't say that they said Well, if that can't be saved, who can be saved? Obviously, their thinking was the rich are blessed by God. That's why they're rich. They're closer to it than not. And the poor, well, they're just out of it. You know, Fiddler on the Roof Tevye says, Lord, I know you love the poor because you made so many of them. That wasn't the view in Jesus' day, the view was the poor were that way because of some sin. Think about how many times in the Gospels Jesus is criticized for hanging out with sinners. That was how they viewed them. So what we have to see is Jesus is manifesting God's presence in the kingdom of God. And that's why all these healings are taking place. Remember John the Baptist was in prison and he was confused? He sends his disciples to Jesus and say, are you the one? Because this isn't what John had expected was going to happen. He certainly didn't think he was going to end up in prison. And what does Jesus say? He says, Jesus answered and said to them, go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. What Jesus is saying is, yes, I'm the Messiah because the kingdom has come. In me, the kingdom has come. It's here, it's present, it's transforming, it's healing, it's blessing people. And it's blessing all kinds of people. We have no evidence that as they came, they met any of these categories in terms of deserving. They were in these categories because of life. And that didn't mean that Jesus rejected them. Everybody, everybody, everybody is welcome in the kingdom of God. Paul, in one of his letters, makes a list of infamous sins, you could call them, and says, these will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he adds, and such were some of you. Meaning, there's still forgiveness. There is no sorrow on earth that heaven can't heal. There is no sinner gone too far that Jesus won't forgive. The kingdom is available. So the blessings and the beatitudes expand the human concept of who is welcomed into the kingdom of God beyond prevailing assumptions. It opens the door to God's wide invitation. It doesn't narrow it. It's not a list of obligations you have to do to get blessing. It's all the people who can be blessed. And our problem is we have failed to understand the context in which Jesus is teaching. In both of these cases, significant miracles have taken place where people have received this amazing blessing. And the disciples' heads are spinning, trying to understand it. And he gives these beatitudes. Now, this is, again, why I think this is the case. Because we get there, and what's the very next thing that Jesus does? He says this. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salt again? It's no longer good for anything except be thrown out and trampled. We're the salt of the earth. We're supposed to make a difference. We're supposed to be a blessing. He's talked about who's blessable, and now he says to his followers, you be the blessing." And look look how it continues. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. See, as we become followers of Jesus, as we enter into the yoke with Jesus, we receive the blessings of the kingdom of God. We know there is a God. We know he's in charge. We are trusting him. In the Old Testament, it said, blessed is the man whose hope, whose trust is in the God. And then it says, don't trust in princes, in mortal man who dies, and their, their, all their thoughts go with them. We can't be looking to the wrong place for security. So, the combination here is everybody's blessable in the kingdom of God. Everybody's welcome. Jesus says, come to me. And as we come, then we are charged. We are challenged we are exhorted to be that blessing so i want to ask these two questions am i living in the reality of the kingdom jesus said several things about this he talked about not letting your heart be troubled But we just read where he said, let your light shine by good works. So are you living in that reality? Are you blessed? And then secondly, do I see everyone as blessable? We have been through a tumultuous time there have been all kinds of things that have happened around us, and people are on edge, and they're angry. But brothers and sisters, we're not supposed to let that destroy us. We are in a situation where people can't even talk about some topics. We can't even give each other the courtesy to listen. We can't just talk through like, oh, you think that? Why do you think that? We're in this cancel culture. You say one thing and everybody jumps down your throat. And we're guilty of that. The church in America is guilty of that. It's fine for you to have an opinion about something, but are you really going to take your brother and sister who has a different opinion and assume that they are going to hell because of their position or that they have somehow abandoned the faith because they think differently about some of these things that are not listed in the scriptures? Am I living in the kingdom? Is my security in God... Am I looking to him? And am I willing to bless? I'm not saying that you have to agree with everybody. I'm just saying, can you listen? Can you understand? Are we quick to listen or are we quick to speak? I am distressed and discouraged by what I see in the American church that has become so politicized and so negative that we can't talk with one another. That's not right. That is not shining as a light. The invitation that Jesus gives us is to be in yoke with him. And that means we're called to be a blessing. We're called to do good works, to make a difference in people's lives. We're called to love. That doesn't mean we agree with everybody. That doesn't mean that we don't recognize where someone has gone down a bad path and we see that as wrong. That doesn't mean we negate the concept of sin and we don't think it matters. But think back to Jesus. Think about those crowds of people from all over. If you were one of the disciples and you had been raised as those disciples, your head would have exploded because power is coming out of Jesus and it's just healing everybody. I bet some of those people weren't nice. And yet Jesus healed them. And you and I are called to be like that. Have you gotten mad in the last couple of years about something and someone who said something? I have. I've been spit mad, And I have lost the thought of them being blessable. I'm just like Jonah. You know, Jonah wanted God to wipe out the Ninevites. He, let's get on with it, Lord. Just get rid of them. They're awful, mean, terrible, horrible people. And you saw how that worked out. God forgave them. Why? Why are we so dumb that we are so negative that we think if we just yell at everybody, that's going to fix anything? And here I am yelling at you. The yoke of Jesus is a yoke a blessing. You and I. Have the answer. It's Jesus. It's the kingdom of God. It's the coming of the kingdom of God. What's our hope? God wins. We know the end of the story. And we constantly forget that. Our hope is not in whoever is in the White House. Our hope is. Is not whoever is in charge in China or Russia. Our hope isn't in any human being. It's in the living God who wins and is going to make all things new. And it's that there is no sorrow on earth that heaven can't heal. That's our confidence. I told you before, your life is not short, it's long. You have an entire eternity with God and with the fellowship of the saints forever and ever. That's our hope. Let's not forget that. And let's get as many people as we can to join us in that. And we do that by love and good works Jesus said, they'll know you are believers by your love for one another. Brothers and sisters, let us love one another. Let us love one another in kindness. And if we have some disagreements, let's talk about them and give grace. Let's not be off with their heads and let's not think that just because someone approaches something a little different that they might not have a good reason. Sometimes when you listen to somebody, you find out, boy, they're more thoughtful than I thought they are. The Beatitudes expand who is blessable in the kingdom of God. Are you willing to let God expand your ability to bless and who is blessable and to look at people, maybe that you've not looked at kindly with different eyes. God loved the Ninevites. So he loves all the people around you that drive you bonkers. And he wants them. Let's be more like that. The easy yoke is not a yoke of cursing. The easy yoke is a yoke of blessing. Let's be a blessing. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, take Jesus' words, apply them to our hearts. Lord, would you help each of us see where we have failed to love as you love, where we fail to listen as you would listen. As we fail to do good where you would do good. Heal our brokenness. Help us walk with you. And help us keep our hope where it belongs in you. Help us enter into the good life you have for us. The yoke you have for us. A yoke of blessing. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.